Cincinnati. to episode 191111111111 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name's Paul Hirons. Uh, it sounds like I'm in a good mood. Uh, I'm not. And that will be reflected in the forthcoming episode of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. And joining me, uh, I'm actually okay. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. We all know what happened last night. We're recording this on uh, Tuesday because we had a Monday night game, which is very exciting, or at least was very exciting, uh, on Halloween, which again was very exciting. Joe Boy Borrow wore a shirt with Boo on the front, which I thought was kind of quite a subtle um, subtle outfit selection uh, compared to some of the outfits that he's chosen for his uh, pre-game promenade into uh, an organization's buildings um but yes it should have been very exciting it wasn't it was the nightmare on halloween the pure and utter nightmare on halloween and we're going to talk about it because i'm still i'm sure that uh, everyone out there is still absolutely fuming so uh let's bring uh, my partner in crime um my dempsey to my make piece my starsky to my hutch um my, uh, I don't know, I can't remember. I was going to bring that stuff back, Nathan. Do you remember when I used to introduce you to my the the apple to my pie and the custard to my <laughs> tart and all the rest of it? Do you remember when I used to do that? I do, and it reminds me of when the Bengals were pretty awful because that's when we used to run the podcast at the start and they used to get tanked every week, and it feels quite apt with what happened last night. So it, it brings back horrible nostalgia for me some, but you're on point anyway. You're on point anyway. <laughs> I think so. It it fits the mood, I think, if you're going to compare it to... Well, obviously, um, the Bengals suffered an horrific loss uh, in lots of different ways last night. And it's been quite the week since we last uh, joined you. Uh, Lots of things going on. So we thought it would be opportune to bring back the Bengals' wheel of misfortune. Forget uh, reaccione. We're going to bring back the Bengals' wheel of misfortune. And there's pure liquid fury coming from you guys uh, in the correspondence. So uh, you better hold on to your hats, really. It's going to be quite... Uh, hopefully, it's it's all about getting it out of our systems uh, in this episode. Uh, Nathan, hey, uh, how are you, mate? Anyway, what's going on? Yeah, right? I'm... <sighs> I'm fuming, son, if I'm honest. I mean, we nearly... Like, we're both of us, and I think the listeners... Like, I hope you're... Hope you're appreciating tonight because it's 10.20 at night on a Tuesday night. Paul and I, he's off to Cincinnati to go and see the Panthers game next week. I've been out and about tonight with work and we've made this podcast work at 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday. We both come home for it, sorted it out because we just felt, and we've been texting all day saying, look, it's going to be hard to get it in before you go some. But it's one of those weeks where... The Wheel of Misfortune's got to come out. We've got to get it off our chest. I think we've got to just get this pain out because it was a hard watch last night. And it was, like you said, it, it's not just a loss. There was a, a few more losses in more way than one last night, wasn't there, Sam? Indeedy weedy. It's like drawing out snake bite. It's it's about extracting the poison, I think, and cleansing and purging our, really our is, soul yeah. and our blood of all uh, toxins and uh, that's what we're going to do. Um, let's spin that Bengals wheel of misfortune. Uh, 
There you go. A bit of a psychedelic uh, upgrade to the Bengals. It's, it's, like like, it's like the wheel's got on LSD. Exactly. It's tripping its nuts off. And uh, it, the wheel's having a great old time. I can see it in the corner there. And it's got party lights and uh, all sorts of things going on in the corner. Um, where should we start with with the Bengals' wheel of misfortune? We are, of course, talking about uh, the Bengals' 32-13 defeat to uh, the Cleveland Browns in the uh, first battle of Ohio uh, this year, or this season, I should say. And uh, I didn't stay up to watch it. I woke up at about six this morning and watched uh, watched it back on uh, on Game Pass, uh, which was actually working miraculously. Um, and you know what I mean? When you wake up, you have no idea what the score is, obviously. Um, although one time when the Bengals were playing in prime time, and I knew that uh, the Bengals were obviously playing in prime time, and I tried to get sleep and I got to sleep, I had a dream about the score. Uh, and I was convinced... Um, when I woke up the next morning, that the score I dreamt was the actual score. So when I turned on the phone, I was very disappointed to see it wasn't the score. Uh, I didn't dream of any scores this time. I just eagerly... It's that weird thing when you turn on your phone in the morning to see what the score is or was, and you kind of go, go on, while while the page is loading and your phone's uh, starting up and you're getting on the internet and all the rest of it, you're just like, oh, what's what's the score going to be? And then it's just huge deflation when it you see it's thirty two thirteen, ridiculous scoreline. And as I watched this morning, it was a ridiculously poor performance as well, wasn't it? It was, and I don't know where you want to start. I don't know where the wheel. Where's the wheel told us to start? Sorry, so yeah, I, I went off on one there. Told, the I, wheel... don't to, I don't want to speak before the wheel speaks. So exactly. where's it told us? Because I could go from any angle here, but like, let me let the wheel guide us. The wheel speaks. Um, what does the wheel st- say? Uh, he says the offensive line. Or oh, sorry, no, the wheel is a, is a, a non. Uh, it doesn't have a gender. It's just a wheel. The wheel says it says. Um, the offensive line. <laughs> Digging a bit of a hole for myself there, weirdly. But yes, the offensive line last night. Well, if you want to talk about the offensive line, five sacks, the run game went nowhere. Um, it was a massive step backwards there, wasn't it? And it just it just reminded me of a game you'd have had three or four years ago where Andy Dalton was at quarterback. You couldn't get anything going. Cheap like check down passes, nothing down the field, no pace, no nothing to stretch the field. And it just looked really like, you know, it just looked like nothing. And it, five sacks, it, it, you could have put Andy Dalton in Joe Burrow's body last night, going back in the day and AJ Green's at the end of his career. And it just felt like one of those games. It didn't feel like a team that was a legitimate playoff contender. It just felt like we took so many steps back last night and we talked last week about you know joe boy like putting up all these numbers on the panthers and everyone's getting really excited and everything else and i said last week and i know i was being a bit you know putting the callers on a bit don't get carried away it's the falcons they've got you know all of their secondary out it's not something to get too excited about and you come up against the browns and the browns aren't even one of the league's better defences, you know, they've got an elite pass rusher in Miles Garrett. And I think that's the theme of this season where we've struggled is when the opposition has had an elite pass rusher that can really. But then again, the so line. have a lot of teams as well, to be fair. It's they not, do, I mean, but that, you know, these been, are think, game wreckers. These are genuine game wreckers, you know. Yeah, true. I mean, you, you look at TJ Watt week one, you look at Mika Parsons with the Cowboys, and obviously you look at Miles Garrett last night, and it just gives absolute butterflies to that line to the point it just wrecks the offense. And, mm. you know, we just we just couldn't do anything last night. We just absolutely couldn't move anything. And you talk about the win last week against the Falcons where you're absolutely tearing up points and yards and breaking records and there's infographics and there's social posts and everyone's warming themselves up. And then you play a Browns team who's got two wins and, you know, apart from a few garbage time bits and pieces at the end of the game, it was absolutely awful last night. And I know Jamar Chase is out and we'll talk about that, but what a step back. Because every week we've said that we've taken a step forward, 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 and you're talking about the line here. 
forward, forward, forward. It looks better. It looks better. Everything with that line from pass protection to run protection to to anything in the run game, it was really poor, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Interestingly, um, I mean, they, 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 like you say, they, they almost shit butterflies when they, uh, <laughs> when they see um, someone like a Garrett or a Bosa or a Micah Parsons or a TJ Watt or whatever. And you know, the, these guys wreck games. It's not just against the Bengals. We've got to be clear about that. It's not just. Uh, the Bengals that suffer. But, you know, as you say, the, the Browns' defence hadn't been playing very well. They were vulnerable against the run. Denzel Ward was out. Um, you know, they were kind of, you know, four-game losing streak, I believe. But, you know, they did have a lot to play for. And it was Monday Night Football. Pride was at stake. They do have talented players still on, on defence uh, and obviously on offence as well. Um Interesting to me, though, um, we spoke last year about the problem on the offensive line being the interior, and they certainly beefed up the interior with Karras, Kappa, who are both playing pretty well, and you know getting some really good production out of you know not perfect but good rookie production out of Cordell Volson, I have to say, but. Um, this year is the complete opposite. It's it's not the interior that's the major problem. It's the it's the it's the two tackles. Leo Collins is having a nightmare, and Jonah Williams was like possibly had his worst game as a Bengal last night. You know, it's up there at least, and uh, that's a bit disconcerting into year four or whatever year he's in. Is he five, four or five? I can't remember. But, uh, you know, to get this down the line, and, you know, he's solid. He's been solid. Uh, but you look at, uh, I know um, you love the old uh, PFF grades, uh, don't you? But uh, the, their, their uh, interior, okay, this is the interior offensive line rankings, right? Pass this is for a season or for the game? This is for the season so far. Right. Pass block grade, seventh. Pressure rate allowed, 11th. Now you get to the tackles. Uh, pass block grade, 29th. Uh, pressure rate allowed, 17th. So you can already see the huge drop-off there. Um, and some PFF grades in uh, from last night uh, against the Browns. Uh, Ted Karras. Um, I've, got a new, I've got a new person to, to do a Welsh accent in. How exciting. Ted Karras. Um, 84 point, sorry, 83.4. Alex Kappa, 83.2. Cordell Volson, 68.8. So, you know, certainly those two guys uh, in the 80s, obviously fantastic grades. Cordell Volson, you know, average to above average there. Uh, Lael Collins, 46.1. Jonah Williams, 32.2. So that, to me, is is a macro... Um, uh, presentation of the drop-off and uh, the previous stat was more, you know, you can widen it out to the whole season and um, see the drop-off there. So if it's not one thing, it's the other, isn't it, with the offensive line? And like you say, it's almost like it's indicative of the whole team. It's kind of two steps forward, one step back, another step forward, two steps back, that kind of thing. It's pretty up and down, and the record reflects that inconsistency. We're four and four. We don't know as a team whether we're shitting or pissing at the moment. Um, so it's a bit all over the place, isn't it? Hundred percent. And it's hard to know where to point the finger because you're talking about those guys on the interior, and I think we'd all agree that that's actually a bit better off than we saw last year. And obviously, Cordell Volson's a, a rookie; he's a, not a first um, one, two, or three pick. So you, you know, fair play to the geezer for stepping in. I know he's had some, he's had a bit of a you know good and bad time here and there, but he's getting the snaps. We're loving it. Um, but Lael Collins is the one. He was a guy that was brought in at the end that, you, you know, he's got a real good reputation around the league, highly regarded guy. And all of a sudden you're starting to look at him and say, well, maybe there's a reason the Cowboys have let him go there. And maybe there's a reason we were able to get him because it, it felt like at the end of free agency, one of those signings where it was like, wow, that this almost feels a bit too good to be true. And I think maybe now, I know he had a decent game last week, but so far from what we've seen from him, 
it's really not been what you'd expect. It's certainly not the bodyguard that he, you know, sort of brought himself in on that he weren't going to let Joe Boy get touched. And yeah, I think we're feeling it. And it, and it's worrying as well with Jonah Williams because he really has taken a step back. And I think the whole thing, you know, the only thing you can do here, I always think with the line, it's very difficult to point fingers. You can say, you know, we can say Zach you can say Callahan. And if you, if you look at the offense, but few people are saying it we've been saying it for a while i think the, the finger has to go in some ways to frank pollock because well i was going to say when do we start having a, uh, it's yeah, been mentioned it before be. in like, the correspondence i don't want to ever do this to the wheel but you know if the wheel i feel like it's probably logical well, the, the wheel is in the corner tripping its nuts off and uh <laughs> laughing inanely at a pot plant so i think we can okay, just no. talk on really but yeah i mean frank uh everyone loves frank pollock as a person personality as a guy and he, and he is a good coach he obviously is but something's not quite doing it. I'm not quite sure the run game is just not happening at all um you know whether that's a schematic thing or you know what, what what's going on with with the line itself and that of course leads us to um Joe Mixon who is not his normal self this year I think that's fair to say um, whether it's because he is not hitting his gaps properly, hitting his reads properly, um, I'm not quite sure whether whether the line isn't blocking well enough for him. But he seems to be okay. Let me just read this stat actually. Um, through eight weeks, this is via Willie Lutz on Twitter. Through eight weeks, right, he's 31st out of 54 running backs in the NFL for missed tackles. But this is the this is the interesting stat that caught my attention. Uh, he's 53rd out of 54th uh, for average yards after contact. And he does seem to be unable to, to manoeuvre... Any more extra yards out of contact, you know. Um, I, I wonder if he's carrying a knock or something like that. But I, I think it's fair to say that Mixon isn't firing. And, it, and let's face it, his his pass protection is pretty has been pretty pretty terrible this year. Um, at least to the naked eye. Um, obviously, we notice things when things go wrong more than we notice things when things go right. If that makes sense. So. Um, I don't think it's unfair to say he's not having his best season, but obviously, you know, the running game has to work as a cohesive whole with the with the offensive line as well, and obviously the play calling. Um, and I say I wonder if he's carrying a knock or something like that, but he's certainly not firing on uh, all cylinders. I don't think. Let me just open. I'm just opening a beer. Go on. There we go. Um, I think you bang on, son. I mean, you've only got to look at this season. He had his probably, I mean, in terms of yardage, his best game of the season was the opening week against the Steelers. He had 82 yards on 27 carries. But he he has just looked off. And even when he finds space and he sort of gets in a bit of a room, he's not. you don't really feel like he's got making the most of his opportunities there. And it's a problem for a guy who's the third highest paid against the cap on the team and someone that is very much your feature back. You know, he, in terms of the percentage of snaps he gets, like sharing it around, he's getting at least 90% of them. You know, some RJP Ryan rarely is involved with barely seeing Chris Evans at all in the run game. So this is a guy they're getting the ball to a lot. And, He's had a couple of games last, you know, two out of the last three weeks. He's only had eight carries, which seems crazy, you know, for an offense to only be giving you lead back eight carries two out of three weeks. The, you know, it's the Falcons. He had a few more. But I just wonder, like you said, is he carrying a knock or is he just cooked? I mean, you know, the NFL running back has a short life. He's into his sixth season. Um Number of touches wise, I mean, the interesting thing for him is he's getting a ton of touches in the receiving game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the most yeah. the most uh, receptions he's ever had as a Bengal, forty three back in two thousand eighteen. He's already had thirty four, and we're barely through half the season. So, you know, at the moment he's on track for sixty eight receptions, which is outrageous for a running back. Which is but, which is good, you know. I mean, I yeah, can but he's I not can making I... much of them though. No, is he? There's no, a lot no. of these swing passes. Yeah, and lots of checkdowns. I, I think that really speaks to like Joe Boy maybe not being able to find his targets downfield not being able to find that deep option and just checking it down to him and 
you know, he's averaging 6.3 yards a reception. That's the lowest he's ever averaged in his career. Um, he's had a touchdown receiving, but it is a big problem because on paper, you know, a year or two ago, you're talking about him being a top 10 back, someone you could rely on, someone who's going to really sort of run it down the opposition's throat and cause a problem, maybe make the Pro Bowl the sort of talent that he had. And at the moment, you've got to say it's significantly letting this team down. And you see Nick Chubb, you see what he was able to do on Monday night, speed, knocking people over, great cuts, decisive. That's what you need. And, you know, you're looking at... Um, like I said, the cap number and you're looking around the league, are there any trade options there? Like Cam Akers, uh, there was chat about him being oh, available no, and stuff no, like that. But no, no I'm, no, I'm just no, thinking no. about, you know, what can you do out there? Because if, if, if nothing's improving with Mixon, you've got to look around. What other options have you got? Can we put Chris Evans in there? Give the ball to him, see what he's got for, you know, a couple of drives. I do. I just think the Bengals have got to do something here because, you know, through half a season's worth of work, you know, you can't be your lead back averaging 3.3 yards um, a carry and only two touchdowns in eight games. It's just, it's just not good enough for what we need at the moment. And yet people are screaming or were screaming for, um, you know, forget the run game and just go with the passing game, you know. Um, but I think we all agree we'd need, I mean, I still think Joe Mixon's a fantastic player, and but it's just not working this year. And so they're going to have to find answers somehow. And go back to the swing passes and the checkdowns. I can see what they're trying to do. You know, they're just trying to move the ball, uh, move the sticks, get three, four, five, six yards on first down or whatever it might be. And to, it's as good as a run. So you're hoping that the defense, you draw the defense, suck the defense in, and then you can take your deep shot. So I can see what they're trying to do. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of it on uh, on Monday night. Right, let's go back to the wheel. Uh, slightly less psychedelic this time. And the wheel, the wheel, is saying injuries. Oh, my word. I uh, mean, we have... The season of a lifetime last year with regard to injuries, and we started off all right, and it's now really come bitters quite fiercely, isn't it? And oh, I mean, obviously, DJ Reader. DJ Reader. Yeah. I mean, my favourite player, DJ Reader, I think. Um, and then in between episodes, this episode and last week's episode, Jamar Chase, and now Cheeto Awuzie. Cheeto. I mean, if you were to pick three players to go down that would really affect the team emotionally and on the field. I think you you couldn't have picked a, a worse three players to go down with an injury. No, I mean, maybe Trey Hendrickson, but I completely agree with you. I think that they are three absolute studs. Cheeto is having a Pro Bowl season. Jamar Chase, we don't even need to talk about. The geese is unbelievable. And obviously DJ Reader, just an absolute cog and a unit in the middle of that um, defensive line that helps the pass rush, helps the defense in general. And I thought we could weather DJ Reader. I just felt like, you know, we we probably beat the Browns and the Panthers a winnable game. And you'd hope you'd maybe get him back after the bye, maybe a game after that. And, you know, he'd be available going down the stretch, which is when I felt we'd need him. But when you start losing these pieces in unison, it becomes really difficult um, to make things work. And we, I mean, there's no better example of the offense's performance against the Browns, um, missing the speed and the dynamic, the dynamicism. <laughs> That's not a word, is it? But um, dynamism, dynamism, or the electricity that yeah. Jamar Chase brings to an offense. <laughs> but it was very, very evident. You know, we looked enormously average offensively without him. You know, if not below, apart from that big pass to Higgins, as I mentioned, like. There was not much going on um, on offense without him sort of drawing people away. So it is a problem. Cheeto's a massive, a massive worry because I mean he's playing like an absolute animal, the geezer, and it's such a shame for him professionally because he's just starting to get noticed around the league. I have no doubt the geezer would have been in the Pro Bowl or maybe even an All Pro the way he was playing and. It's a heartbreaker for him. It's a heartbreaker for us as a team because now you've got to rally around that. You've, we've got some decent corners. You know, it's time for Cam Taylor-Britt to get a bit of a rude awakening, having just come back well, himself did. as a he rookie. <clears throat> well, he did on Monday. I mean, he was going to yeah. be up against uh, 
one of the best route runners in the NFL in Amari Cooper. And Amari Cooper absolutely embarrassed Trey Flowers uh, on a couple of occasions. And uh, Sorry, the beer is starting to tell already with with the old trap wind there. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. It sort of exposes the lack of depth, really, on... Um, on both the in the wide receiver room and the cornerback room, but yeah, they didn't. They elected not to trade for anybody, which I kind of expected to be honest with you, because we haven't got a lot of we haven't got any really real sort of excess draft picks to play with. You disappointed uh, about that, son? Oh, I think as a fan, you always hope they get involved, don't you? You know, you always want some action going down there and. Uh, I mean, there was there was talk of Jeffrey Akuda from the Lions being on the, on the uh, on the block, and that would have been a really decent signing, I think, the cornerback from Detroit. Um, but you know, it's just not in the team's DNA to give up picks. And then you look at, you know, if you trade for someone, you've got to pick up their contract. And I, you know, we've, you know, we basically asked them to do everything that they that we wanted them to to do in the off season, which you know bolstered the offensive line and we haven't got that much cap space left you know so I wasn't expecting it uh, but that nonetheless that does leave us the cupboard a little bit bare I think Um, and yeah you know let's hope Eli Apple comes back let's hope Cam Taylor Britt adjusts quickly Uh, I'm sure they'll be working out some free agents you've got to right I mean there was a report out there that um They'd uh, they'd worked out some wide receivers last week, so I reckon in the bye week, which is obviously after this uh, game on Sunday, a game that I'll be at, incredibly, amazingly. But yeah, it's bye week next week. In in many ways, the bye week couldn't have come at a better time because it, it you know it's always tough to rebound. I say not just like positionally and what those guys give you on the field, but emotionally in the locker room. Those are all three stand-up guys, you know what I mean? They're three captains, and um, yep. or at least captain material. So, yeah, I mean, the, the bye week really couldn't come soon enough, really. And uh, so I expect them to really be sitting down trying to figure out where, how are we going to do this, how are we going to win games going forward. You'd Oh, there's that trap wind again. Um, you'd hope that uh, Reader's on his way back. It'll only be a, a week or so. Yeah. Um, and I'll, then maybe, and then who knows with Chase? Chase might be back sooner than you think, or it might be, you know, after the Steelers game. Um, who who knows? Well, this who knows? this is what I was going to say, and I think the way that you have to look at it positively and try and sort of sucker something up um, after that pretty horrible loss is. Cheeto, we know, is gone. He's the first player of significance that's gone for the year. Now, whilst it's a huge problem for us and he's an incredible player, there's not going to be many teams, especially contenders around the league, that you know by mid-season, towards the end of the season, aren't going to lose, if not one, two, three, or more significant playmakers for them. So if you're a team that's going to go all the way, that comes with injuries, that comes with problems. So we're not going to be alone in that. Now, the big thing for us is this game Sunday against the Panthers, bye week Steelers. Now, both the Panthers and the Steelers, they've got a bit of life in them. They're not absolutely hopeless. But yeah, I agree. at home against the Panthers, away against the Steelers, who realistically are a bit more hopeless, I think, than the Panthers. But they're the Steelers. It's Mike Tomlin. It's divisional game. It's prime time. It's every recipe that you don't really want. It's... You know, a prime time away game of which I think we're something ridiculous in the regular season of like 0 13, 0 14 at the moment, which is a pretty horrible thing to have around your neck. But if we can just get two wins, and I know that's quite a lot to ask, but if you can beat the Panthers at home, which you'd be heavily favoured to, and then you can beat the Steelers, who, like I said, are pretty awful at the moment, that gets you to the 27th of November, which is nearly a month away from today in order to recover. Jamar Chase and DJ Reader. Now, if you could do that and be six and four, all of a sudden everyone's back on their feet. They're believing in this team. And who knows? You know, you've got a bit of a difficult end of the stretch. We know that. But it's not inconceivable for us to beat the Panthers at home and the Steelers away, considering the standard of their teams. Obviously, the bye week sandwiched in there. You get those guys back, chase on offense, then you're full strength on offense. You're missing nothing. You've got the whole offense out there purring on all cylinders, and we saw what it can do. 
the week before against the Falcons. If you can replicate that down the stretch when it matters, you know, this team could be very dangerous. Cheeto's a big miss, but you get DJ Reader back in there. Trey Hendrickson's healthy. Sam Hubbard's healthy. That pass rush will look better. Although Sam Hubbard's um, broken his finger. Yeah, but I think for... He's going to play I mean, through not, it, not for any average person, but... For these guys, they'll put some sort of cast on it and the geezer will be... You've seen guys in the past play with, you know, clubs on their hand and stuff. So I, I think Sam, especially after the bye, where you'd imagine with a broken finger, he would be able to play. It might be some discomfort, but um, I'm pretty sure they can work through that as much yeah, as Yeah, I, I agree, I agree. Um, um, it's going to be tough, though. And, you know, we... It we'll, is going to be tough. But we'll I mean, certainly, you know, with Cheeto, we'll certainly see more Dax Hill. We'll certainly see more Cam Taylor-Britt. It's interesting yeah. now that, I mean, the only rookie that we've seen any make any significant contribution so far, really, is, um, is Cordell Volson. And yeah. Dax yeah. Hill and Cam Taylor-Britt, one has been sort of almost red-shirted a little bit. The other suffered an injury. But now it's their time to, you know, they've been soaking up all the information and, and finding out what it's like to be an NFL player. Now they need to contribute. So... That's all you can hope for. That's where you draft these guys, you know, one and two. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's the hope anyway. Um, should we go back to the wheel? Let's do it. For one final time. The wheel. The Bengals wheel. Wheel of misfortune. <laughs> it's special teams. I'm glad you put this on there because I was going to bring this up, but I didn't know... Don't thank me, Neil. Uh, Neil? Don't thank me, Neil. <laughs> that could be my new catchphrase. Don't thank me, Neil. Here. Don't thank me, Neil. Here. Don't thank me, Neil. Here. <laughs> You're right there, son. <laughs> Don't thank me, Neil. Um, <laughs> back, back to... Um, back to, back to, back to Earth. That's I think I've just maybe the wheel has just slipped me some of that uh, acid. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say. Don't thank me, Neil. Thought you were having a stroke there for a second. <laughs> don't. Right, yeah, go on. I say, don't thank me, Nathan. Thank the wheel. He, yeah, I mean, he's the, wheel, the, he's the wheel that gives. Yeah, I, I mean, I was absolutely go on. stunned by that by Evan. I just yeah. couldn't believe it. You know, it, it, you, you're so used to him being almost automatic from those distances. And, you know, it's one thing maybe to not miss a kick from 47 yards. Not always easy. You're on the road. You know, it's sort of, I guess, fair enough. You still expect him to make it. But to miss the extra point after that, you think, hang on a minute. And I know we lost that game fairly handsomely, but there was a point in that game towards the end where, you know, if you'd had an extra four points on your total you're only down by two touchdowns that's doable in the fourth quarter you know you see teams yeah. do that all the time it's not easy well i, I actually think it wasn't but, the extra point that was the killer it was that missed field goal on the stroke of half time because if that if he'd have scored that we would have been down by six eight three but instead he missed and actually they went down they had enough time to go down and score a field goal so instead of being down six which is you know, eminently retrievable, you're down 11 and then suddenly you're kind of, it's a two-score game and you basically give the ball back to Cleveland or Cleveland receive first in the second half and then because of that 11-point lead, they just do what they're really good at and that's running the ball and not letting the opposition back in. So I thought that miss was absolute for you know we did show signs of life in that first half especially on that first drive i thought we were pretty good until that um unfortunate tip bass pass by miles garrett uh yeah if he'd have scored that and it was a six point deficit they could have gone in at half time and said look you know we haven't played great but there's been signs of life here um and we're still in this game whereas 11 points you're just saying to Cleveland, look, just just keep the ball and do what you're good at. Do you know what I mean? So I, I thought yeah. that was a really pivotal moment in that game. It was weird. It was it was quite a shock. Yeah, and, and I think the kicker position is such an interesting one in the NFL because it's all mental, isn't it, a lot of the time. I think most of these kickers, it, behind the scenes, with no crowd, with no people watching them, they could kick 40, 50-yard field goals for fun 99 times out of 100. When the pressure's on and the... 
you know, you've got 70,000 people there yelling at you. You've got people running at you. You know, you've got a helmet on it. All of a sudden, it just gets into your head a bit. And you saw Eddie Pinheiro the other day um, in that absolutely wild game um, with the Panthers against the Falcons. I think he had a 40-yarder. Yeah, right, yeah, he yeah. He's got the extra point push back, didn't he? And he had to take it, I think, from the 45-yard line or something, misses it. And you think, bloody hell, like, what a miss that is to win the game after that outrageous um, deep touchdown to... Um, DJ Moore at the end and then before you know it they've got another chance you know he's got to kick it from like 31 yards or something and you think well this is a gimme and he misses it wide left and you think how on earth is he doing that you know Eddie Pinheiro is not as good as Evan McPherson but it's just a point to illustrate the fact that it is all a bit funny these kickers and I don't know if that first game of the season against the Steelers where it cost us the game and obviously it's hard to pin that completely on him because obviously um, you know you talk about the long snapper and the, the laces not coming round and all the sort of mechanics that go into being an NFL kicker but he had that miss against the Jets I believe it was earlier in the season a bit of a random one there there's been an extra point I think that went and Against the Browns, you just think, well, you know, I'm not saying it cost us the game, but you made a really good point about the momentum, son, and how that plays into it. But you hope that's something he can iron out. And you don't expect him to be perfect. You don't expect him to just be banging them through 100% of the time. But you expect him to be missing ones like from 50, 55. But yeah, he seems to love those. But it's some of these ones that sort of almost slightly further in. Um, that you'd expect to be automatic this season that he's just had the problem with. So hopefully it's nothing and, you know, hopefully he can iron it out and he'll be working on it. But I think as a kicker, it's almost like if there's no problem or you're not thinking about anything, there's no problem. The second you think about something, yeah. you know, all of a sudden it gets into your head. It's like erectile dysfunction, son, you know. Right. <laughs> if, okay. if it always just works, you don't think about it. The second it doesn't work, it's in your head. So that's... <laughs> Right. Well, it's a bit like it's the life of an NFL kicker, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I genuinely didn't didn't expect you to go down that road uh, and use that uh, comparison stroke metaphor. But you know, it's something that us guys need to talk about. Um, okay. Right. Uh, I think we better get to the correspondence. <laughs> Thought you'd like that one. Solid handle. Okay, let's start. Jamie Gross at Gross Jamie. Uh, as someone, Shocking handle. Come on now, give him a break. Listen to his message. As someone fairly new into this sport, you can't have a go at someone like that. You know, he's new. To, he's supposed to be welcoming to the community, Nathan. No, I'm, I'm, I'm in a bad mood, though, son, after the loss. So oh, I'll okay. be harsh on the handles this week. Uh, uh, as someone fairly new to the sport, are the Bengals that reliant on Jamar Chase? Looks like he could be out for the season, so need to adapt without him and quickly. I mean, that's a fair enough assessment, I think, uh, Jamie. Um, you'd we do ex- lack the speed. I think that's a huge problem. Boyd's not quick enough, and T. Higgins is not quick enough either. He's not a burner down the field. And I think the other problem we've got is Mixon is not quick anymore. He's not that fast, neither is Samar P. Ryan. So you look at people like the Dolphins and what Tua's doing at the moment with the speed of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, and defences are terrified. You know, they're, they're, they're dropping back. They're having to really spread out, and that allows gaps to form and people to take advantage of it. And I think at the moment, and we saw it against the Browns, Jacoby Brissett, Amari Cooper, um, and Peoples-Jones with Nick Chubb looked so much more well put together as an offense than our offense with Joe Burrow, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, which most people look around the league as an average fan and say, well, you've got to be kidding me. You know, a backup quarterback with, um, you know, and Joku was even out for the Browns, but they were far more well-oiled than we did on offense. And it is concerning and a problem that you lose one guy like Chase and you can't really move the ball at all nearly Mm. um, until the end with that one deep pass. So, I think that's why, and there's a lot of rumours around this before the trade deadline shut about the Bengals going out there and getting a bit of a speed merchant. I think Robbie Anderson would have been a guy that could have come in for us. And yeah, but he was he was job. he was snapped up a couple of weeks. No, ago. I know, but he was someone that just is a speed merchant, yeah, a bit yeah. of a character, could have come well, in. Well, there was some mention of Brandon Cooks as well. Um, yeah, but anyway, it didn't happen. Stu Davis, Stuart Davis at Stu Davis. It's still the same problems over and over. Zero running game. Poor play calling and O-line issues. At this point, the staff and management just seem stubborn to not address or genuinely acknowledge any of this. They can't 
just keep saying we must do better. I I agree, but I also disagree slightly, Stu, because they did change things up in the past couple of games. They went to this... They, oh, man, this trap win. I should never drink beer during a podcast. Um, nice, though. Nice drop. Stuff and nonsense, uh, New Zealand pale ale. How about that? It's got something called uh, Nectaron and Motiuka. I don't know what those things are, but it's very bougie for you, Sam. Yeah, I know. It is actually, but uh, anyway, um, what was I saying? Yeah, because they did change things up the last couple of games. They did. Um, they did settle on this. Uh, Gun and run, you know, running out of shotgun, much more o- RPO stuff. Um, but I do take your point, you know, it is um, the same old issues that, uh, and we are really, let's face it, we're pretty much in the same position as as we are this year, as we were last year, you know, and look what happened last year. Now, obviously, we didn't have the injuries like, uh, uh, like we do this year, so that's going to be very tough. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Andrew Dockerell at Docker 77. One of those games again, which seems to be too frequent. Too many first half 10 point deficits. Here, here. Michael Smith at conniving underscore crow. Solid handle. Effing shite, and the season feels as good as over. If we can't handle the effing Browns, a dog shit Steelers, then we're going to get hung, drawn, and quartered by KC, Buffalo, and Baltimore later in the schedule. Think there's merit in a collapse, but acquiring a half uh, oh dear, a high draft. He's talking about tanking already. Oh, I, no, can't, no, I no, can't no, stand no. for <clears throat> No, I don't think so, Mike. There's still plenty of football to be played. We're in a rough spot, there's no doubt. There's two winnable games coming up. There's a bye week. You know, they have demonstrated that they can change things. Um, but they need to quickly and figure things out, obviously. But yeah, I I I I think no. <laughs> We've got something to cheer us all up after that because I don't like hearing about the draft in November, especially when we're four and four. Exactly. Which I've realised some. Um, what? Go on. This is going to cheer everyone up, I think. Yeah. Joe Burrow. Yeah. Is young enough that he could be your son. Right. Anyway, slam dunk at <laughs> slam dunk the funk. Solid handle. He's though. Yeah. All right. I don't need to know that. Can you imagine? You we, could literally be his father. I could be. We'd be the most unlikely father-son uh, uh, <laughs> looking father and son I think you'd ever see. But uh, there we go. Um, anyway, Duncan says, For the first time ever, I conceded defeat and turned off and went to bed early after the third quarter. Injuries suck. The game sucked. This rain sucked. And I'm tired. Apart from that, I'm off to Cincy on Friday. Yes, we're all, there you go, Sam. Here, that, Duncan that is up. joining me and a band of motley Bengals fans from the UK travelling to Cincinnati. Uh, we'll obviously we're going to the we we touch down uh, late on Friday, uh, and then we we're going to the Bearcats Navy game on Saturday. We may, depending on how everyone feels, may head out to some sort of bar. So we'll tweet that out if anyone wants to come and join us. Um, and then obviously uh, Sunday is all about Bengals. The Bengals uh, will be dotted around the tailgates, no doubt. Um, uh, we're looking forward to that. And then we may go out Sunday night. So uh, stay tuned. Um, it'd be great if uh, you some uh, of our Cincinnati-based lins- listeners came out and said hello. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it, obviously. Did I mention I'm going to Cincinnati? I'm not quite sure. But anyway, um, the Booker Man at the Booker Man. Um, we always have a stinker. Was overdue. We almost always split with Cleveland. I don't count last year, week 17. But 10 and 7 needed for a wild card. Are we saying 6 and 3 in our remaining schedule? It's a tough ask for a wild card spot. Um, I do think there is a path to claiming a wild card spot. Obviously, our divisional record is not very good at the moment. Um, but, you know, we've beaten Miami and the Jets, and that might come in very handy later on down the line. So I think for as bad as Monday night was, I still think there's a path to to 9-10 oh, wins. 
Oh, you, you, do you know what? I mean, I, the way you're saying that, as if I think there's still a way. I, I think everyone has gone off a cliff a little bit after that loss. And I know we've lost Cheeto, and I know the chase injury obviously happened last week, and it's a bad loss. But goodness me, like we're four and four, we're a game off the the lead of the AFC North. You know, there's a, three teams getting to the playoffs now in the AFC, so you don't even need to have a particularly flourishing record to sneak in there. Um, as a wild card. There's some teams around the league in the AFC that have got five in the Jets have got five wins. Are you seriously saying we can't match, you know, we can't hang with Zach Wilson for the rest of the way and people like that and the Broncos, the Raiders are bad, the Browns aren't brilliant. I know they've got Deshaun Watson coming in, but, you know, they've not been fantastic really. And then you look at the AFC South, the Texans, the Jags, the Colts, and I mean, the Titans are top of that division. But I mean, are you telling me we can't sneak in there as, uh, you know, as a wild card? And uh, frankly, we could win the division, you know, and I know people will say I'm mad, but that we our, the re- the rest of our schedule is not as difficult as I think we think it is. It's like the Steelers. Yeah, we back ourselves against the Steelers. You got the Titans. I don't think the Titans are playing very well. They're not, you know, they're sort of getting by. They've got an easy division, but our fancies against them, the Bucks and the Patriots at the start of the season, you'd have been shitting yourself about those games. They're winnable. They're not playing very well. You know, we've got the Browns at home. I just think there's there's winnable games in there. And you talk about, what is there, 10 games left or um, nine games left, sorry. I, I, I back us to win at least five of them to get to to get to get nine wins. I think nine wins, nine and eight, you'd be, you'd be touch and go. But I think we can absolutely win six of them. You know, I think it's going to be an ask and you're going to struggle against the Chiefs, the Bills and the Ravens. But they're all at home. The Chiefs, yeah. Bills, and Ravens, you know, and w- the crowd has been fantastic this year. It's going to be sold out for those games. You're going to be in contention. I think we can win at least one of those games against the Chiefs, Bills, Ravens, if not two. You know, if we're playing well, again, we're at home. So I think this doomsmonger, we, we're not smashing it. We're not playing that well. We've had some bad games. We have had a few injuries this year. But like I said before, there's other teams around the NFL that have got injuries. We're one week before for absolutely tearing apart the Falcons and being the talk of the NFL and everyone giving us a lot of respect. So I just think the NFL is a roller coaster. It goes up and down and up and down. And at the moment, it's very much down. But if we give a right tonking to the Panthers and you boys and the UK lot are all out there, you know, giving it all giving it all big and large and we put, you know, 40 points on them and we're five and four going into the bye, that's all right. I mean, you know, you'd probably say, would you take that at the start of the season? Probably not. You'd say, I think we should be doing better than that, especially against the the teams that we've played. But at the end of the day, you know, it's another week for the boys to heal up. Um, DJ Reader and Jamar Chase, you get them back and you go from there. I, I just think, you know, we should be making the playoffs. I'd say we're more than likely to make the playoffs. You know, I'd say it's a 60% chance that we get there with the mm. team we've got. If we don't get there, there's been a serious failure because you know we've got the talent i know we're not playing that well and it's a bit disappointing at the moment but this team is more than capable with the games it's got coming up the majority of which are at home four of our last six games are at home we should make the playoffs and that's it that's fighting talk from nathan palmer right there i don't quite share your optimism but i agree there's definitely a path to the 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 playoffs there's definitely a path uh, and there's a lot of football to be played. And you shouldn't judge games in isolation. Only if there's a trend happening. And there are I mean, certain trends happening, I think. But we, we, we're, we're one game out of the number two seed in the yeah. AFC. In the no, AFC. Exactly. I mean, the Bills exactly. are the top of the AFC 6-1. and one. We're 4-4. Four and four, You know, we've got to play the Bills. I mean, you know, I'm not saying for a second that we're looking for a bye or anything silly like that. But, you know, it's not like we're 2-6 and six or, you know, or 3-5 and five and it's real. We're a real mess. You know, we're 500 with a... Pretty easy home game against the Panthers coming up. Um, well, it's so some... easy. I don't know. Like you said, there is some life in the Panthers, and they've got a good defense. Yeah, yeah. And PJ Walker's come in and played really well. Yeah, no, uh, for sure. You know, I think I think the key is when you're down, when you've got star players out, you've just got to somehow. It, it doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be full of big plays. You just have to oh, exactly. gr- grind out these victories, any way, shape, or form, and and then. As you get your big boys back, then you can start kind of expressing yourself more. Right, uh, Rob Hill at Surely this season. Solid handle. My biggest concern by Miles is the line. Last two games, we haven't seen elite edge rushers. We can't hold up against them. And unlike last year's line, they can't run. This line was supposed to be reliable. Last year's line was a mix of youth, late picks and journeymen, but I prefer them. 
Wow, that's a statement. Uh, BB at Blue Bengals 5. Um, uh, play Evans more. Time to start phasing out Mixon and start look start scouting a new left tackle and look to make a trade for draft picks. Bates, the obvious choice. New punter needed. Yeah, of course, with the special teams. Uh, wheel a fortune choice. We've got to mission. It wasn't just Evan McPherson having a stinker on special teams. I mean, as much as we love Hubes, uh, he had a bit of a stinker as well, didn't he? Get a wider receiver for. Considering this is our window, we can't afford just to do nothing. Now, obviously, this is now after the trade deadline, uh, but it's it's worth making the point. He's, uh, you know, uh, Blue Bengals there is making a good point. This The window is wide open right now, and you saw what the Ravens did. They ran out and got Roquan Smith. Um, the Eagles went out and uh, got uh, Quinn. Um, did they need him? No, but d- does does he make their team better and in better shape yeah. for the? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, so yeah. Vikings getting T.J. Hawkinson. Yeah, that was a curious. Uh, I'm surprised Detroit let him go. Really, I thought he'd be a piece that they built around. Well, not bit necessarily built around, but you know, um, yeah, interesting. Paul at Picar Burns uh, to nick a famous football cliche. Felt as sick as a parrot watching the game back this morning, especially as I believed even with Jamar Chase missing the Bengals would have enough to beat the Browns. You're not the only one. Matthew at our underscore Matt. We literally did this last year. Uh, Mind-blowing one week and shite the next. Then at the end of the year, we found the magic. Whilst it was tough to watch and the injury bug seems to be biting us harder this Year for sure. We've got Joe Burrow. It'll be fine. That is a fantastic bit of correspondence. And, I, you know, Joe Burrow's been a bit up and down himself, but it's bang on. You know, we did do exactly this last season. You don't want to be a team that gets hot at the start and then, you know, down the stretch starts losing momentum. We knew they didn't play any preseason. We knew that the first couple of games, as you know, losing by field goals, it's what could have been. You know, just because we've had that's the real first proper absolute shocker of a game where we've not even been close to being in it. We've been handily beaten and looked shit. But like I said, there's a long way to go. And I think, you know, I, I hate to use this phrase, but yeah, I think you do just have to keep calm and crack on, didn't you? Everyone's frustrated you after a game like that, especially if people in the UK have been up to, you know, four in the morning watching yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think I really... that's it. I mean, you, you invest time and emotion. Yeah, and you at, at the time, it's absolutely infuriating. I want to get on the phone and just get on this podcast. So if you did me the podcast at four in the morning after that loss, <laughs> yeah, I'd have been know, right. in, I'd have said the season's over. I, you know, blow it all up, fire Zach Taylor. That'd have been me. But, you know, you have a kip and, you, you know, you have a bit of clarity the next day and all of a sudden... You know, you have your coffee and, you know, a nice little prep baguette to get you going in the morning. And all of a sudden, <laughs> maybe have you, you can uh, justify have you Have you started by talking of Pret-a-Manger? And that is a popular sandwich chain that Nathan's particularly fond of here in the UK. That's for our US listeners. Uh, have you started digging into their Christmas uh, sandwiches and menus yet? I believe they're out now. I don't think they are, are they? Are they not? They should be. I they're normally out. Anyway, you'll have to report back when they're out because... Um, when when the Christmas sandwiches come out at the sandwich shops, that's you know when things are starting to move. It's a big, big time of the year. Forget Ooh. Halloween, forget bonfire night. It's it's when the Christmas sandwiches and the Christmas ranges come out. I saw Sainsbury's. I went to Sainsbury's today, and they were they were they were starting to stack the refrigerator shelves with all kinds. There's a veggie, um, there's a veggie leftover curry wrap that's going Let's out there out. for Sainsbury's. There's turkey and stuffing, as you would imagine. What do you mean leftover? There's in like no, like, like it's famous, isn't it? On Boxing Day, oh, you get yeah, all your right. leftovers oh, from yeah, Christmas okay, Day okay. and bung them into a, and make a curry out of them, like turkey sprouts. Yeah. You know, tremendous flatulent. I don't, I don't. I'm not a big fan of Boxing Day lunches. I, I never really like, all those weird pickles and like. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't. Know, it's not really my my game. Boxing Day. I do love it. Do you know what my mum does? She does. Uh, I can't believe we're talking about Christmas already. But anyway, my my mum does these like fried potatoes. So she takes the leftover roast potatoes, then boils a few potatoes, like smashes them up with a, well, with a, a hammer. No, not a hammer. She's not a violent woman. Um, like a potato masher, but not actually mash them, but just, you know, smash them up a bit. 
And then she put some olive oil in the pan, salt, pepper, just lightly fry them so you get new crispy, Ooh. crunchy bits. And you have that with your pickles, your your oh, your, God, your um, chutneys, your oh. leftovers, some sprouts, Ooh. and then you just you just you just bend over and fart all night. That's what you do. Uh, it's yeah, tremendous. So it's... you know, anybody's welcome around our house on Boxing Day. Just extreme flatulence and excellent food. Uh, not necessarily in that order. I think the food comes first, and then. The, then the flatulence. Anyway, right, um, right. Um, Martin at Dorset Bengal. Not much, not much of a battle of Ohio. Those with grey whiskers might remember the last time the Bengals were defending the AFC title. The season ended eight and eight. Now, old Martin uh, there uh, is of a similar vintage to me, so I do remember that. And um, I think you asked either before this season how can how could the Bengals in 1988 stroke 89, be such a talented team, get within a whisker of winning the Super Bowl against the mighty 49ers, and the next yeah. next year just kind of struggle to get to eight and eight. And I think you're, I think this this team this season is answering that question. Basically, things go wrong. You know, yeah, I, I think teams adjust, opponents adjust, and it's hard. You know, you've got a target on your back. You know, and uh, it's difficult. I think as well, more than anything, especially for us last season, that Super Bowl run, I think we all have to admit, I'm, I'm not, this is the wrong word. I, I'm not, I'm not going to say don't lucky. Don't say lucky, it, please it was, don't say because I really no, it don't. It wasn't know. lucky, but it was fortunate, maybe you could say, because it came out of nowhere a bit. There's a few good wins in there. We were very fortunate in the fact that there was no injuries. I think it was absurd, really, how healthy that team was last year. And it came together. We got some good decisions go our way. We, you know, we, we just, we play well when it mattered situationally we we did really well and there's a degree of i think with any super bowl run playing any sort of knockout sport where you need a bit of fortune the rubber you the rubber the oh, green yeah absolutely play. any team that gets to a final and even wins yeah. it you know i mean it, you could say that the rams are quite happy well, 100% because yeah, no, 100%. they got that call against yeah. logan wilson and then of course you know chase was wide open and you know well, obviously, it wasn't yeah. luck necessarily because Aaron Donald is an absolute monster, and he yeah. did the business when 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 the chips were down. But yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But, but that's what, what I mean about that. This year is we've not really had that. We've had injuries to significant players. We've had you know long snappers unable to snap extra points to win games. Yeah, and we didn't mention that in the special that, teams. That Steelers thing, game right? is one of those where you talk about a bit of luck. If we win that game, we're five and three. We're joint top of the AFC North. Everyone's reasonably happy. You know, you think you can easily get four wins out of the last nine games to get you to nine um, nine wins when you can put your hat in the ring. So you are, you know, a couple of those field goals. One of the geezers shanks one, you know, when you're playing against, um, not that Justin Tucker would have shanked one, but the Cowboys kicker shanks one in that game and it goes to overtime. You reckon you fancy yourself on, you know, the way the Bengals were playing at the end there. So it's all very bits and pieces and I do think that there, there's no reason why this team can't get it together a bit of fortune go our way keep players healthy get players back and and we've got a chance but yeah I'm I'm, a, I'm, I'm strangely positive this season uh, son about the Bengals I don't know why so weird right last uh, correspondence tonight is Seiji at Earl of Norks solid handle Stacy the obvious here but it was lacklustre and predictable let's pretend that did not happen and smash the Panthers. To, yes. top, top, to top it all off, I dropped my crumpet tasty side down on the carpet, went to bed at half two, and the missus was snoring and didn't get to sleep until half past three. Poor old Mr. Earl of Norks there. The Earl. Of, I like this. We should get the Earl of Norks and Lord Rixendale on, and we've got some sort of royal thing going on there a royal consortium of exactly Bengals, yes. i like it the earl of norks meets lord rixendale wow it's like game of thrones or house of the dragon isn't it I'm, I'm, i wonder how that's <laughs> but yeah there's nothing i mean out of that lot dropping your crumpet like butter side down on the carpet you've got a hairy crumpet haven't you <laughs> oh jesus i don't like the thought of that <laughs> Sorry, the phrase hairy crumpet just made me laugh quite a lot there. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a funny podcast uh, this evening. I'm not, it I'm has, not it has. Uh, 
I know. Grieve desperation. <laughs> maybe, maybe we're just delirious from the whole experience. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Um, uh, I do. I'm sorry for your hairy crumpet, Earl. Um, but crumpets are good, though. You got to like a crumpet, though, haven't you? Yeah, I don't, I don't really eat many. Uh, yeah. I have many crumpets these days, but I, I, oh. I'm, not, I'm not averse to them. There's a lot for you to learn in this life, Nathan, and having and liking crumpets is one of them. Um, right, uh, I'll be in Cincinnati. Not that I've mentioned it at all uh, in this episode. Uh, I'll be in Cincinnati this uh, weekend with a whole bunch of other British Bengals fans. So do come and say hello if you hear some weird chat about hairy crumpets and um, uh, and other strange things. Uh, we're looking forward to it. And uh, I, the only reason why I mention it again is that um, next week's podcast uh, will be live. Well, not live, but be will be recorded somewhere in Cincinnati. So I'm looking for the first time ever. For the first time ever. How about that? That's uh, incredible, isn't it? Um, that'll be Tuesday. Uh, we've got lots of things going on on Monday. So... Um, yeah, it'll be Tuesday, so hang fire and we can have a good old chat and maybe we can talk about sort of it's kind of the halfway point of the season so we can uh, check out uh, where we're at and what we need to do going forward and let's hope there's no more injuries and let's hope they can just squeak one out this uh, this weekend against uh, a lively Panthers team, I would say. Um yeah. I hate using the phrase a must win, but I think it probably is a must win because I think we're going four and five to the bye week and everyone's throwing themselves off a cliff, I think. We've got to win it. They're, they're beaten up as well. They're playing PJ Walker, who's really their backup. I know Mayfield's available, but they've benched him. Their coach has gone mid-season. They've traded away Christian McCaffrey. They've, they've only won two games. They're coming off of a heartbreaking loss to the Falcons in a game they should have won. They're talented. DJ Moore's a great player. That Deonta Foreman is an absolute wrecking ball. People were saying and comparing him loosely to Derek Henry, which is a bit yeah, of a stretch. Yeah, yeah. But he's a real beast of a running back, though. Like He had a great game against the Falcons, so he's going to be one to watch um, You know, after we struggled against Nick Chubb. But this is where Zach Taylor, at home, all you boys are out there. The crowd at Paycor will be absolutely blowing. We've got to find a way to beat a two and six team at home with Joe Burrow healthy, with Tyler Boyd, with T Higgins, with Trey Hendrickson, Mixon, all these players on our team are getting paid a lot of money that are very, very good NFL football players. That is a game that the coaches have to win full stop. And if we lose that game, you've got to point very, very squarely at the coaching staff because I'm not doing the Panthers down. Like you said, they're a lively football team. They can play ball. They they gave a fantastic performance against the Falcons to to you know get that at the end. They're really playing with heart at the moment. But we are a much better football team than the Panthers. And I know we've got a couple of injuries, but so have they. They've lost players. You know they're not playing at full strength. That is a game we must win. And I don't doubt all the English Brits out there. Like I said, that that might just give them an extra little bit of bit of juice and spice. To... Oh, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. I'm going to take them. I'm going to feed them Jaffa cakes at half time. I think that should do the trick. Um, yeah, let's hope for a win. I think it's... you got you got your Stone Island jacket ready, Sam, for the my, game. My Stone Island jacket. What's one of them? Your know, Stone Island jacket. He's got little football hooligans wear over here. Ah, uh, right. Okay, okay. No, I haven't actually. Flat cap, Stone Island, some boots on you <laughs> and the boys going to. Cause a bit of a cause a bit of a tasty affair with the Panthers no, fans no, in the tunnel. No, this is not uh, down, you know, wherever. Ten, ten pints before the game, five in the seat, scrap at the end of the third quarter. Yeah, we just end up like a, a yeah, we just end up in a video that goes viral on on social media of people fighting uh, in stands. No, we're gonna be we're gonna bring a bit of British passion and a bit of but also. British sportsmanship, uh, sports personship, and uh, we've got a fantastic crew of people coming over that, you know, really diverse age range and uh, uh, gender balance. So from 12 years old up to 60, no, that's not me, by the way. Um, um, we've got his grandfather, let alone his father. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to be back in the Queen City. Um, and as I say, we'll be back next Tuesday. So, I'm feverishly doing the maths in my head now, as I think if you possibly could be Joe Burrow's grandfather. So I'll let me let me do that, and then when we do the next yeah, episode... Yeah, well, why don't you ponder that until uh, next Tuesday? Uh, right, guys, have a great week. Thanks so much for listening. It is, of course, a who day from me. 
and a hooday from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.